I want you to do me a favor. Yeah, sure. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. What? Let it out. I want you to hit me. Trust me. Come on. Come on. Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me, baby, one more time. And now, our feature presentation. Welcome to Hit Me One More Time, the Nostalgia Reflection Podcast, where we look at the things that we loved when we were younger and ask the question, is this good? I'm David Luzader, and with me, always with me, can't get rid of him, he just always wants me to listen to him, is Nick Shermooksness. Nick, hello. Hey, does that does that make me like the Navi of the podcast? That was that was what I was implying. That yes. was what you were yeah, okay. All right, I just all yeah. right, fine. I get it. I'm like the most annoying, yet also most endearing, fairly simple basic character in yeah, okay. Most most endearing. Okay, coming in with hot Navi takes right off the bat. <laughs> but we're we'll get into those as we go in because we have a guest with this. The guest that has brought Navi back into our lives and and Zelda in general for our first episode about any of the Zeldas, Drew Burris of the More You Nerd and Cosmic Crit. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey guys, good to be here. Good to be here. And hot take, Navi, not the most annoying guide character in Zelda history. Just saying. Ooh. Ooh, all right. This is gonna be a a Navi defense episode, is uh, apparently what we're shaping up. <laughs> If we're talking about hot Navi, then we actually probably shouldn't talk about hot Navi. Nick, so. I don't want to know what you Google to find hot Navi. I didn't actually Google it, but now I'm going to do it live. Oh, no. You know what? I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to click on images. Oh, actually, it's not what I thought. Never mind. Continue. Well, what? Okay. I want. I, before we do, I need to know what you thought it was going to be and what it actually was. I don't think I can actually describe what i thought it would be on, on the show uh, and what it was was uh looked to be a bunch of uh, indian women in um dress garb oh basically so well yeah wasn't uh, that's was fine that's best case scenario i would say then <laughs> it could have been a lot worse for sure oh for sure. boy anyway <laughs> Our topic, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. This 1998 action-adventure game for the Nintendo 64 is the fifth entry in the Legend of Zelda series. It follows Link as he and Princess Zelda take on the evil Ganondorf across both Hyrule and time itself to stop him from gaining the power of the legendary Triforce. Dun-dun-dun. Giant stakes. This is the part of the show where we go into our personal histories with the topic. And Drew, since you brought this to the show, what is your history with Ocarina of Time? Why'd you decide to bring it here? So I am a huge Zelda fan. Uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past uh, is my favorite game of all time. And I am an older person now, I can officially say. Uh, so I'm... I came to these games when they were still in the 16-bit era. The first one I ever played was the Link's Awakening on the Game Boy, then Link to the Past on the on the Super Nintendo. And when this came out, 1998 was one of the biggest years in video gaming of all time. And the excitement around this game and the 3D Zelda and all of this, you know, saving up all of my money to get a Nintendo 64 and getting this game and just being completely blown away by it at the time. 
but I think about it. It's a 3D game. It's an early 3D game. And 3D games don't tend to have the same uh, nostalgia for them. Mm. Like, I think we remember how they were better than they actually were in a lot of cases. Mm. Uh, so that was kind of why I wanted to, to look at that. Interesting take. And I, I think not far off. Uh, definitely, we're going to get more into it. But Nick, what about you? Oh, I hate Zelda. So gross. Uh, no, I... Uh... I don't know why I do that. But anyway, uh, I Ocarina of Time was actually my first Zelda game. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of when it came out relative to me getting an N64 for Easter. Weird story. Um, but it basically, I had had a Game Boy or my brother had a Game Boy or something like that. But ba- I, I never really knew about Zelda prior to Ocarina of Time. And it's actually kind of a, a sweet story. One of my sisters was working at like a a not blockbuster blockbuster video store at the time. And occasionally, and it wasn't that far from where I was living, and we would go and visit her at the store. And I don't know if we like saw it on the shelf, if they had it in one of those like um, like test it booths or whatever you want to call it. And we played it and we're like, this is cool. But basically she she saw that at least that we were interested and she rented it i guess as an employee and then brought it home and then we're probably assholes because of this but basically every time she would go back she would re-rent the game (laughs) over and over and over again (laughs) so that we just could keep playing it until we beat it and probably even a little bit after that so for all the people that never got to learn about zelda because of how selfish we were i'm sorry it actually feels good to get off my chest now. Wow, thank you um, for your confession. That was the long con of this podcast. <laughs> Book him, boys. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I was, uh, my brother and I are pretty, one of my brothers and I are pretty close in age. So when we like sat down to play this game, like it just, it blew our minds. Um, I sucked at just about all of it. Um, and I think by the end of it, I was just watching my brother uh, try and complete it, which he did successfully. Um so from from then on, like I've at least dabbled in every Zelda game that's come, except for maybe Skyward Sword. Um, but um, yeah, Zelda is it's just a, such a simple, like, but also really compelling franchise. And I, I think there's a reason that it has a lot of staying power. So but let's see if Ocarina of Time is held up. What about you, David? For me, uh, my history with Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, it. I remember, so this game came out on my 10th birthday, and you probably think I'm about to say like, and I got it for my 10th birthday, um, but I'm leading you down a path of lies in that case then. I remember this game coming out and what a big deal that it was, but I don't remember quite when I got it. It was not right away. I think I remember also initially renting it from Blockbuster, which renting games back then, like we don't really rent games now, I, I realize, but back then, there was no cloud storage or anything. Like, a renting was a real gamble of how far <laughs> can you get through this in in just probably a couple of days before you have to return it. And if you rent it again and it's not, you don't have a sister that can game the system for you and get you the same copy over and over, how far are you going to be able to to really get in this thing? D- did you ever feel guilty deleting someone else's save off of one of uh, these cartridges? Uh, oh, Maybe not as guilty as I should have felt. But but I think a little guilt. I don't believe so, but I'll, I'll share a brief story in relation to that before I get back to Zelda, because another game series I was super into was uh, Pokemon. I was the perfect age for Pokemon. And I remember 
somebody was trying out Pokemon and they deleted my save on mm. my cartridge. And uh, that was a very, very big deal. But back on Zelda, I don't remember. I, I'm pretty sure I rented it. Um, I don't remember when I initially got it, but I remember like once I did, it was a huge deal. Like I was super into it. I got the guide and everything. Um, and I I remember playing it at least in time because I didn't get it when it first came out, but I played it in, in time that uh, I was very excited for Majora's Mask and got Majora's Mask like shortly after that one came out. Uh, and like Nick, this sort of opened up with sort of the gateway drug of Zelda for me because I also remember playing Link's Awakening on Game Boy that somebody lent to me, but I don't remember if that was pre or post me playing Ocarina of Time. So really, in my head, as far as my own personal history with Zelda in general, really does start with with this game. Though I've played a number of them, even the, a number of the ones before, and, and uh, almost every single one since. Uh, also, probably skipping Skyward Sword, I have played. And I even got the 3DS remake of this, and I played... Uh, at my desk at a job where I had a lot of downtime. I would kind of have it beneath <laughs> my desk and uh, was running around Hyrule, which which was not not a very long time ago. And I'm not going to say any more. It's not the job I'm working at now, so I'm not incriminating myself in that way. <laughs> but just suffice it to say, uh, oh, I also got this when it was a, like the, the GameCube remake. I basically bought every re-release of this game is what I'm learning the more that I it think about it. It feels like it's it. that kind of game to... You know, that if, if they released like a super remaster version or a remake or whatever right now, like we would we would buy it. I oh, which they cool. which they may very well might if if what they did with Mario last year is true. That's these, what I'm hoping for. We'll the, the, see the 35th Which, anniversary of the, of Zelda comes up in March. And hey, isn't this episode 35? That's weird. Oh, weird. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, also, I just have to say, Drew, I, I was behind the scenes Googling when you said that 1998 was like an amazing year for video games. And I was like, well, maybe, I don't know. And I looked and I'm like, holy crap, there are a lot of like game series either got their start or like like major installments in their franchise like came out in that year. Like the amount is staggering. Yeah, with Starcraft, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, uh, Banjo-Kazooie, obviously the greatest game of all time. Half-Life was... Parasite Eve, Xenogear. Yeah, uh, it was a big year. Battle Zone. Everyone remember Battle Zone, right? right? Oh, who didn't? Right. Honestly. A game called Apocalypse that I think starred Bruce Willis. That's fun. All right. All right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Zelda. 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 So, Nick, outside of just other games of 1998, can you tell us the world's history with Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? I can. Uh Ocarina of Time was originally intended for the Nintendo 64DD, a disc-based peripheral of the Nintendo 64. Due to increased delays of the 64DD, Ocarina was moved to the standard uh, N64 cartridge, which reduced the storage intended for the game by half. At one point to save room, it was thought to structure Ocarina like Mario 64, with Ganon's castle as the main hub and portals taking Link to the various dungeons. The game had five directors, each with a focus on a different part of the game, and they would ask their teams for what they wanted to see in a 3D game, using the ideas that best fit the series. 
There was a heavy focus on the game environment to the point that the game was planned to be first person, but this changed in order for the player to better notice the differences between child and adult Link. The targeting system was revolutionary for the time, and Navi, short for Fairy Navigation System, was introduced to make the targeting feel less robotic and better blend with the world. Nintendo was hurting from the lack of a strong first-person title on the N64, and Ocarina of Time became a highly anticipated title that many felt would make or break the system. The game released November of 1998 to wide critical acclaim, with 2.5 million copies sold in 1998 alone, despite being released 39 days from the end of the year. It became the first game to score a 40 out of 40 from Famitsu, uh, a direct sequel, Majora's Mask, released in 2000, and an enhanced version, Ocarina of Time 3D, released for the Nintendo 3DS in 2011. 2.5 million copies sold and one rented a lot. It's hard (laughs) to believe that the game was almost first person. Like every time when I was playing, I would accidentally flick into first person while I was replaying, and like it annoyed the crap out of me. So I'm, I'm glad that that didn't stick around. The first person on the Nintendo 64 in general was pretty clunky. Mm-hmm. I think I can't I can't I, I know I played GoldenEye and it was one of the, the best first person shooter games of all time. I do not remember how that game controlled, how it could possibly have controlled. Oh, compared at all. I feel like we should do that one now because I bet it's a game that maybe didn't. You know, it's the greatest of all time. It still gets brought up today, and yet I wonder if it's actually held up. Well, it, I mean, first of all, uh, slaps only. Well, rocket launcher and slaps only, and no odd oddball. <laughs> Those are all rules that we're playing with here if we're going to be playing uh, Goldeneye. But you're right. That game, I know now if I went back to play it. And I don't play a lot of first-person shooters, but I still, I still have a few that I like. I really like to play Overwatch every once in a while. And I know playing that game now compared to what we're able to do now with first-person shooters, especially on like keyboard and mouse, is just going to not feel good. It's going to be slow and plotting and the aiming is going to be terrible. And yet we played that game to death because at the time it was new and they did like the absolute best that they could. Uh, the, right. the first person for Zelda, though, I will say does feel pretty good in the 3DS because you can actually use the the gyroscope uh, inside of it to aim. So when you go into first person, you can actually like move your DS around uh, in order to aim your like slingshot and bow and arrow and stuff. That would so help. I actually busted out. I recently got a bunch of my old stuff from my parents uh, that they uh, were tired of keeping in their house. And, one, and among those things is my N64. So I busted that thing out and I hooked it up to play it. And surprise, surprise, my old save file was actually still on the cartridge. Whatever battery in this thing hasn't died yet. And I was wow. able to go back and and play my my character. But uh, first thing I tried to do, I, I also restarted the game, got the slingshot. I'm trying to move the controller around to to aim and it's not working. And it took me just too long to remember. Oh, yeah. Couldn't do that then. Uh, <laughs> so overall, time. the so let's maybe let's start with the controls because overall, I mean, we've sort of established a little bit that, that um, like the Legend of Zelda Golden Eye, like it was a little bit clunky. Um, but like, did you feel like despite that that, that it held up? Like, it, or you know, what what do you think? So this is uh, the controller itself is is interesting and it feels weird. This is the longest I have spent holding a Nintendo 64 controller in my hand in maybe 20 years. Uh, 
I actually showed it to my kids. Uh, I have a, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old, and my my nine-year-old basically said, "This is a controller for aliens. Mm-hmm. How do you use this? I don't have three hands," uh, which is just odd. But th- we did when we were of, children. Yeah, we we grew out of it in the late nineties. Uh, <laughs> the the weird thing about it is that since we're so used. Or personally, there's there's two sticks on everything now, two analog sticks. Like the analog stick was new back then. Yeah. Have to remind myself of that. The 64 was the first really game console to have an analog controller. And now that we have two, I kept wanting to use a second imaginary stick to mm-hmm. turn the camera around. Mm-hmm. And that's just mm-hmm. not a possibility on this. Any, uh, and that. Yeah. The, the camera, so I was reading, because this was developed sort of, alongside super mario 64 and super mario 64 in terms of camera control is leagues ahead of this in terms of how much control the user has over the camera but a lot of that is because of the different focus of the game the focus of mario is on mario so for you for you to be able to move the camera around him and see him and and angle him kind of as you like is kind of the whole point where this there's such a focus on the environment and the world that they kept the camera ai controlled so that you would be like really focusing on the 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 atmosphere and the assets like the enemies and stuff that's why like when you lock onto an enemy congrats that's all you're gonna see from now on (laughs) and and i have to say the lock on works really well Mm -hmm. That held up to me quite a quite a bit, especially when I compare it to a game like Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild that I don't think the lock on works as well in that game as it does in Ocarina of Time. It, it, it's it, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of a 3D game that I think we really needed in, in 1998. Um, yeah, no, I know. I think you're I think you're absolutely right that it allows you to do what you want when it comes to hitting enemies and, and seeing kind of what your focus is. Cause otherwise you're moving around in this 3d space and it's going to be hard kind of to, to control yourself where if you have it locked on, you can easily just launch link at, at that werewolf that you're fighting and that, you know, you're going to hit it unless it does the, the stupid move that gets it out of the way. And you're like, come on, I timed that just right. This stupid game. That stupid werewolf. And it's so it's such a more powerful enemy than you're used to dealing with at that point, And you don't know that it's about to happen. I stupid know. werewolf. <laughs> stupid werewolf. I was surprised when I went back through the first dungeon how fast I got through it. Mm. Like, I think it took me like 20 minutes. And I swear this took me hours as a kid. I can agree with that. That first dungeon is is not super long. It's very much an introduction. Um, the second dungeon is not super long either. Uh, but I found getting to the dungeon took a lot longer than I remember it taking. It does. You spend a while going around the village talking to everybody. Everybody telling you, here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. Well, you got to get the sword. You got to buy the shield. And then... Finally, once you have that, you can go to the dungeon. It It is a game, right. and I felt that, too. I didn't get very long in, in this playthrough because, I mean, I, I played it not too long ago, but I just kind of yeah. wanted to remind myself a bit of... the Because I played on the 3DS, and, and this time around, uh, 
let's just say I, I played a version of it on my computer. That's how I'm going to phrase it. And uh, <laughs> it had like, you know, the original graphics and stuff. So I wanted to have that be a little bit more recent in my memory. And it was just like, boy, this does take a while, huh? <laughs> to get going if you don't go into mido's room and steal all of his money it can take a little bit while I, yeah i I, um, I also just i got confused because i remember playing this game super well so i'm getting a thing i got the sword and the shield now i'm off through the lost woods to find the deku tree so i spent 30 minutes trying to get through the lost woods before i realized that's not where i need to go the reason <laughs> i keep dead ending is because that's not where this is no and then i just walked to the right and there's the the kid blocking from the deku tree and it's like well i that time well spent. <laughs> there's nothing you can really do think, in, the, uh, in the lost uh, woods until you get the ocarina sorry nick go ahead no no i was just gonna say and maybe like i wouldn't have cared when i was a kid and like i really needed my handhelds through a lot of this stuff but one quality of life thing that i really wanted while i was playing was to like fast forward through dialogue because it doesn't so you have to you talk to someone and you don't mean to talk to them or whatever and then they give you their life story and it takes a long time before you can actually close out of the conversation i mean i say a long time i'm being dramatic but like it was one of those things but there's where, there's no text speed up at all there are no right. settings in this game for that another, right another beautiful quality of life improvement on the 3ds version also really made that cutscene after the great deku tree when he because everybody i mean everybody remembers this cutscene where he tells you the story of hyrule basically and it's about half an hour long <laughs> it I feels that way it i mean it really does and it's and it's a pivotal like I, I love the way that it's laid out because okay you just did this dungeon and the game so far has felt very small and personal and now it's like okay the world is about to open up in a huge way so let's lay the groundwork for it uh but it really is a little bit of a momentum killer from you just had this big big exciting fight with a with a spider inside of a living tree and now 20 minutes of dialogue also holy moly the gar i already forgot the name gargamel gurgle goroth oh gorgon something spider <laughs> goma queen goma, goma. yeah and no, i wanted nick go. to just queen keep goma. trying to name it <laughs> I <laughs> I, I would have figured it out eventually, uh, but thank you. Um, no, Gar- Gargamel's the dude who's the bat, the big bad guy that t- steals Zelda. Right, so. right. That's good. That's yeah, right. Gar- Gargamel Dorf. Um, yeah, that was uh, really scary. Like I, I was going through it. I mean, like you know, I'm obviously a very um, brave uh, adult now, but I can imagine probably being super freaked out by the ambiance in the Great Deku Tree Dungeon, and then especially when the like the uh, Goma babies show up like at first i was like that looks really freaky and then in like you're in this dark room covered in spider webs and goma's like crawling along the ceiling and dropping eggs and i mean thankfully like i just remember that fight taking me a long time as a kid and and now it was like i I hadn't i didn't remember how to do it but i picked picked it up super quickly and i appreciated the ambiance i wasn't actually terrified it but i i could tell that like the the little nick in me was maybe feeling a bit anxious <laughs> the the ambiance of this game is excellent it really is they they build such a strong aesthetic that carries through out the rest of the game where even though each dungeon really kind of has its own look and feel there's this kind of like tone in i mean it's a dark game like you are as a child and then like as a teenager it's i have a hard time calling that like adult link i mean he's what 17 when he emerges from the the temple 
you know, he's still he's like basically a, adult in a lot of Japanese media. Right. Yeah. He's according to anime standards, he's, uh, a he's absolutely ancient. ancient, but there is just like this darkness and the monsters, uh, are various degrees of horrifying and like the bosses, especially they're like, there's some that are really, really creepy and the designs are, are so good. And I want to ask what monster scarred you as a child? There's really only one answer for for Ocarina of Time. The uh, zombies that just jump on you and grab you and squeeze you. The re-dead. Yeah. The re-dead. And the, the mummies, uh, uh, I guess, the uh, that you burn them with a fire arrow and they become the re-dead. Just, mm. ah. Yeah, the re-dead. I don't remember that. Because the re-dead scream when they see you, too. And they and they stare you down, and don't you freeze as they get closer to you? I think so. Yes, they're oh oh they get they... oh in the graveyard and stuff. I forgot about that section. That's true. That's true. In my head, all I could really think about was King Dodongo. There was something, and I realize there's probably worse things in King Dodongo in in Ocarina of Time, as you were just describing, which is horrifying. But I just remember that dropping into the hole, and then he's like bellowing and he's basically just following you around in a circle and there's really no way to escape because otherwise you're just jumping into lava and i remember that really freaking me out as a kid i i beat that one and i gotta say his death throws are pretty Mm -hmm. pretty ridiculous because he rolls or he, he you you beat him and he rolls around and then falls into the lava and you see him reaching out and screaming and and all this stuff and that's that's not something they were doing on the Super Nintendo. That's yeah. he looks at Link and he's like, "You did this," <laughs> as he's melting into the lava. Yeah, you don't you didn't get that sort of uh, like if if Bowser went into the lava, he was like bouncing off and oh, oh lava doesn't hurt you. And this like the the dinosaur is dying and it's horrifying to watch with all seven triangles that make up its body. <laughs> yeah that's so that's one so thing oh sorry nick what'd you say <laughs> no i just said so detailed so, well and that's and that's one thing yeah let's talk about the graphics a bit and how they look to us now uh i played the the 3ds version i've mentioned that several times and it's one of those things now where when i played it i was like yes this is what the game looked like to me as a kid so in my head because it's been so long since i've played the original or touched it or anything like seeing how the graphics look on the 3DS, which are still not like amazing graphics or just very like enhanced. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, no, I remember that's like, that's how it looked. And then when I, I was playing a little bit of the original one, I was like, okay, nope, that's not how it looked. Everything is way less detailed. Yeah, th- that that 3DS version matches like the headcanon of this is my memories of youth. And who boy, that the, I... I I played it on a, a an HD TV because that's all anybody has handy, or at least for me. And uh, it was tough to play, especially when it became night, because all of a sudden everything was just dark and muddy. Like the, when you're trying to sneak into to the castle to to meet Princess Zelda for the first time, you couldn't make out the 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 temple guards, the the palace guards from just the background but daytime was fine but it was night where it really really suffered 
And I don't, I don't remember that being the case, but I don't know whether that's just because of an HDTV thing or because it's, I just, maybe my eyes were sharper back then. I don't know. <laughs> I remember I that part being did, tricky. I think I own the 3DS version. I never really played it. I had no idea that they did that much work to upgrade, upgrade the graphics oh, yeah. on this game. Like it's, you like can, they're bad. Yeah, you can. I mean, th- you can go look up like for the bosses and stuff. You'll find their their original models versus the the 3ds models, and they are very, very, very different. Anybody? Has you know, them? but I will say with the graphics, playing the original version, of course, um, even though they were more or less garbage in a way, certainly by today's standards they still and this could be the nostalgia talking hence the podcast but like it it i still felt i was charmed by it in a certain way like i really was sort of pulling me back to my childhood um hearing all the different sounds like seeing like you know just the opening of the chests and all of like all of that like was really working together so even though it's not like a super duper you know playstation 5 or whatever you know graphical masterpiece um it it was still like it still worked for what it was trying to do. I agree, and I th- mm-hmm. I think part of that obviously is going to be nostalgia, but I think part of it for me was also that it it played as fast as I remember it playing. I would I expected sitting back down that the characters would move more slowly or things would be a little clunkier when it comes to actually playing the game, and outside of a few weird things with jumps and oh I accidentally tripped and fell to my death into a lava pool because I'd landed just the wrong way. And I was trying it, weird control things that are kind of forgivable if you've played a lot of older games, but I don't know. It's, it still felt good to play. And I did. And that is probably the thing I least expected in sitting down mm-hmm. with it. And mm-hmm. going back to our discussion a little bit about like the, the lock on and the targeting, I think that plays a huge part in it because you're not wasting time aiming you're not wasting time trying to move and adjust the right angle to hit the enemy the the targeting system allows it to feel dynamic in that way and also the um the c buttons like such a smart idea of having several different items you can kind of switch between based entirely on you know just like touching touching one button okay now i'm using uh, now I'm using like the Deku nuts, which nobody uses after the first temple. But uh, now I'm using the slingshot, and then I'm going to switch over to the boomerang, like stuff like that. Like you, the way that you can just like quickly switch between these things helps it feel very dynamic. So in each fight, you don't have to. Okay, I'm going to move here. I'm going to pause. I'm going to equip this. Okay, I'm going to use this item, and then I'm going to pause. I'm going to equip something else. Where uh, even like in some modern games today, I will do that. If they, especially with some of this like outfit stuff they have now, where like this gives you certain bonuses for this. So I'm like in the middle of action sequences, like quickly changing stuff out, but it really kind of interrupts the flow where here you get to just keep going with it. And because of stuff like the C button and the, and the targeting helps it feel very like fast paced. You're never, yeah. and depending on your own skill, you're never in a fight for very long. Depending on your skill. That's true. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in fights. Um, and I would say the, by modern standards, the C buttons, the, the D pad basically took over the C buttons. I feel like I can think of a few games nowadays where like you can assign sort of quick actions to the D pad in order to pull them up faster. So, and that, and that was really kind of a thought I had while playing this was that so much of its DNA, even if a modern, a certain modern game maybe isn't like 
one for one, you know, like Ocarina of Time, I can see how elements of it have carried over into feel like if they're just they've te- they've stayed the test of time, basically, um, into into now. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's this a lo- game there's revolutionary. A lot of DNA in this game got put into not just other Nintendo games, but games all over the how many because how many games had lock on after this? I feel like there was a everything, run. everything. Unless it was a game that was was like more top down mm-hmm. or or a, I don't know I'd have to look into that. <laughs> well, and how many games had you then fighting like a shadow version of yourself? And I'm saying that semi facetiously, but not entirely. Like I feel like the Dark Link thing we all remember from this game super clearly. And I not that every game has done it, but I feel like a number of games since this game have like taken something with that dark mirror like you're fighting your exact equal in some kind of way <laughs> stupid dark link oh did uh did, okay back looking back on when we first played it uh who got who got goron's sword oh i did Ooh. uh i probably did i probably did i don't remember or my brother did and i'm just gonna take credit but yeah 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 i that's another thing that i remember being so much more difficult when I was a kid. Uh, now, last time I did it, it was more tedious than anything, just how many people <laughs> you have to talk to to get through it. And there's like a part where you have to you have to get from one section of the map to another section of the map in a certain amount of time. And you can't like fast travel because that, uh, that would basically deplenish your time. Like you had to ride Epona across Hyrule in a short amount of time. And I remember... What- that was what was that the eyes that you had to deliver to the scientist guy? I think so. Taking, yeah, you're taking them from him to somewhere else. I, I know the scientist was involved, and also, did you guys remember this map being a lot bigger than it actually is? Oh yeah, Hyrule. Yeah, yeah, it felt a lot smaller now. And, Maybe uh, it was like the the day and night cycle, sort of like it gets darker, and you just sort of have this feeling like you've been traveling for a while because it's like usually dark or light, depending on when you start, like when you get to your destination. That could be. It's it just, yeah. It, it, also, a nitpick, huge nitpick, and and I don't, I cannot remember if they fixed this in a 3ds version of the game. If you're not inside a dungeon, every time you save and quit the game, you wake up in Link's house in the forest. Oh yeah. Oh, I think that was you're so right. Yeah, that was so frustrating. <laughs> it was very well, time to head back out. And and opponent, I guess opponent you could call once you got out back into the field, right, from anywhere or. because uh, you can't call opponent when you're kid Link. Right. You can call him when you're adult Link, but adult Link started in the Temple of Time when you saved. That's and right. Restarted. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So kid Link is just shit out of luck. I think. Um, I think part of the reason why it feels so different now is because we've had, um, I'm going to throw this link into the discord and I'll try to remember to throw it into our show notes as well. Um, I just threw a, a comparison of map sizes from Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess, Wind Waker, uh, Breath of the Wild and Skyrim to just show, you know, I think we're now accustomed to maps, even in Zelda games being, huge and endless and sprawling uh just evolved so much over time where now going back to ocarina of time it is it's going to yeah it's much smaller because the the, they had less space for everything but also just in comparison it is 
teeny tiny. It takes no time no, at all to get me, from one end to the other. It makes me wonder, uh, thinking about if they were able to put uh, Ocarina of Time on that CD and were, didn't have to cut like half the game or whatever it is they were maybe planning, like how much bigger it could have been for, for the time, of course. And it was funny because while I was replaying this, my partner is actually really into Breath of the Wild right now. So I had like... Um, I was also maybe playing it on my computer, um, <laughs> like on my lap. And then there's Breath of the Wild on TV. And I'm like looking at my polygonal, you know, whatever that was compared to like the smooth, you know, animated looking, you know, graphics of Breath of the Wild. And I'm like, wow, this has come a long way. <laughs> Definitely. Tw- 20 years also. More than 20 years. Of development. Yeah. Feels so old. <sighs> so... That kind of brings, because talking about Breath of the Wild, which is another recent Zelda, spoiler alert, everybody who knows that because it's a huge game. Uh, this Ocarina of Time is considered by many to be like, oh, the best Zelda game, the the, the quintessential Zelda game. And I want to kind of go around and feel out for everybody. Is that true for us here? Or is it kind of held in that way because it was a really big mainstream title. It, it's kind of in the way that Final Fantasy VII is regarded as so many to be the best Final Fantasy because I think Ocarina of Time was the one that most people played that had never like played it before. And it's a great game. It's a wonderful game. You had, a, you had a 64, you needed to have Ocarina of Time, no doubt. But is it really the best Zelda game kind of as it is so often lauded or is it held up in such high regard because of how groundbreaking it was and how it kind of shaped 3d games and shaped the the future of the franchise drew i'll throw that question to you first nostalgia is a hell of a drug (laughs) and i personally it is not my favorite zelda game it's close uh link to the past on the super nintendo is the best game of all time Uh, not my favorite it is categorically the best um (laughs) Science has proven this over and over again. Don't argue with me. (laughs) But but the thing about Ocarina of Time is if Link to the Past and Ocarina are very similar in that they follow the same formula. You've got, you do the first three things, you get a a new magical sword, and then you do seven more things. (laughs) The, The difference, though, is just the the world and the 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 scope of it all 3d these gigantic monsters that you have to look up at uh, you have to actually aim your arrow and fire it not just side to side but up and down and you have to do that super fast on the back of a horse shooting cool. at targets in order to get whatever it was you got from that and i don't even remember what it was at this point the pose but, uh, yeah well, the, there's the pose, but then the Gerudo training ground, which oh, I yes. think got yeah. you I think I, I think got you a bigger, the biggest quiver or something. Maybe yeah. that was it. Uh, but, and and it's in playing it again, I, I, have, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed going back to it. It's been so long, and I, I couldn't really get into the 3DS version just because, you know, it's a tiny little 3DS screen and not sitting on, on my couch playing mm-hmm. a game. Just, I don't know. I think, I think there's something to it. It certainly looks dated. Cannot deny that, but it still plays real, real well. So, so why, 
you said Link to the Past is your favorite, and you said like it's the best of them. Uh, merit of that, you know, feel free to hit us up in the comments section and, and argue that to your deaths. But that, that was to the audience, not to you, Drew. I, I want to hear, Drew, why, <laughs> why for you? Because you said like you have a love for this game, and it's, and it's up there. But why is Link for the Past for you above this one? Again, nostalgia. I played Link to the Past over and over and over again. I play Link to the Past once or twice a year. It's a game that I know so well uh, to the to the very just minute things. There is a the one thing I haven't done Link to the Past is there is an emulator uh, ROM that uh, that people have created that is a Link to the Past randomizer. So it randomizes the items that you get in the order that you get them. So you play through the game in a different pathway. And that sounds fascinating. And I could do that because I've definitely gotten items in Link to the Past earlier than you're supposed to get them because it's it's easy to do for at least a couple of things. I just it but mostly it's part of that is because it's easy to go back and play. Link to the Past still looks like Link to the Past. Hmm. It's it's the the 16 bit 8 bit you know sprite based graphics have aged phenomenally well. Hmm. There's still a I mean there's still games being made that have that look. There are mm -hmm. not too many games that are being made to have the look of the Nintendo 64 era. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I remember seeing a discussion, I think it was on Reddit or something, but someone was asking, like, with the indie scene, like all of these like 8-bit, 16-bit style games, you know, why hasn't anyone tackled, you know, the 64-bit? It's like, well, for an indie developer, of course, like even for a 64-bit game, you know, it's still a huge undertaking or would take forever under those conditions. And sort of as you were saying, compared to old school pixel graphics, like the N64 error, PS1 error, like those games really don't look that great. They have their charm, but like with pixel, you can take something like, say, A Link to the Past, which is still a good looking game, but then compare it to like another pixelated game like Hyperlight Drifter, which is like gorgeous you know, and, and somehow modern, even though it's still utilizing technology that we perfected in the 80s. Um, whereas like, how do you, I mean, if you make a game like Ocarina of the Time better, it probably will just look like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, which I mean, I would not, not ball playing, playing that. Playing. <laughs> but uh, but again, but it, and, and going back to, to play on the 64, you see things like you're walking along the thing and suddenly a building pops up that was not there a second ago or a mm -hmm. monster pops up or a character pops up or things disappear. Like there are certainly technical limitations that that you can't recreate those in a loving way. Mm. It's just it just look, feels like it's wrong. And right. I, and I don't see those kinds of things in a 16 bit era game. No, you're you're absolutely yeah. absolutely right. Like even with how great Mario 64 controls even today compared to some modern Mario games. Um, when you go back and look at it and you're like playing it and you're, you're physically, your eyeballs are on there. It's like, Oh boy. Like knowing, knowing that we can make him look how he does in Odyssey. Like, why would you want to make him look like he does in 64? <laughs> and, and, but, and, and, but that's, it's weird that you say that because I do think, there is a nostalgia factor for the way that a character looks at a particular time. I think that the way that Link looks in this game is is an iconic era of Link. Oh, absolutely. I but but I think I think you're also right in that when I think about Link in my head, it's the it looks the, like the more detailed version of the 3DS version that he does the the 64 version. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, no, I mean, this was a, a super iconic link, but I think of it, when I think of this era, I think of, like, the artwork we've all seen a million times where, he's, like, his body is twisted, he's got the sword behind him, and Navi's flying by his head. Like, that's, for me, what I'm picturing when I picture N64 Link, not the uh, the guy whose body, arms, and legs are independent things that are held together by loose glue at certain joints <laughs> surrounded by fog always <laughs> fog always fog because we can't render that many things at once we've got a couple of things we're going to do before we head out but before we do that was there any other points anything else in this game that anybody wanted to bring up uh, before we start kind of wrapping up I music mean, still holds up oh music's great. yes yeah there we go uh, uh, the sound effects and all that yeah totally Oh, uh, the first, I, I fully admit doing the uh, the left up right left up right to play Zelda's Lullaby for the first time. Oh my god, a little teary. I'm 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 willing to admit that the, the ocarina uh, was a great. That was another great thing in this game of like getting to play music with the controller. It was, you know, I, I think we kind of touched on it earlier, but like the, the sound effects, like anytime I was opening a chest. You know, and I mean, like, I feel like by today's standards, like, can I can I skip this? Can I skip this? But sitting here and replaying this game, like, I was excited every time I heard the chest opening music. And, it, I, and what I should say is what we were touching on before is that, like, compared to some games today where, like, David, you were saying, like, you're swapping out of endless outfits or, like, you get a bajillion different items or weapons or whatever, and they all have, like, a point difference in, in uh, stats or whatever. But in, in Zelda and Ocarina of Time, you know, every item was unique. It served a purpose. And maybe like the 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 cocoa nuts, the whatever Deku nuts. <laughs> uh, anyway, the like, you know, they're useless after like five seconds. But um, at least when you got something like you knew, like it was going to be important, even if it was for a time. And I think that was really special. And the game did a really good job making you feel like well, what you were doing was special. And half the time when you got one of those items, you didn't just get the thing you needed to beat the boss at the end of that. It then opened up another part of the world map yeah. in a way right. like when you get the the hook shot, when you get the arrows and suddenly you can now access this whole section of the map that you couldn't use before, couldn't get to before. Mm -hmm. Just True. made uh, there's a lot more backtracking in this game that I remembered. Yeah, but that's a whole other. It's kind of like a 3D Metroidvania type game, actually. In a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, you got to get that hook shot so you can get to the lake so you can spend a lot of time fishing. Because I <laughs> do every time <laughs> I play this game. One, one wicked thing I wanted to, to ask, because Nick, you mentioned getting the items and, and the great music that follows. What What is everybody's favorite item? And hook you, and shot. Kind of be, what did you say, hook shot? Hook shot. Yeah. Uh, always, always is. that. This is not just an Ocarina of Time thing. The hook shot is my favorite weapon, a favorite item in every Zelda game. I, I, I'm a hookshot stan. Is a sentence I never thought I'd say, but now that I've said it, I can't take it back. I think it's I think there. I hard agree with now. you on that one because it really it it always changes the game every time that you get it. In terms of it changes what you can do in combat, and changes the way that you can travel and get around the map. It always opens up the game in a real significant way. Yeah, I I mean I I kind of probably the easy answer is is the hookshot. Uh, cause I, I pulled up a, a quick picture of, of all the, 
of all the items in the menu. And I mean, you've got like those choo-choo bombs, which I totally forgot about. Choo-choo bombs. Um, bombs, a hammer, like they're, they're cool tools, but, but the hook shot was just so much more dynamic. Yeah, for sure. So now I want to turn our attention to dungeons because we've now been reaching out to our audience to ask you know, different questions. We want people to participate, be part of this. We asked people what their favorite dungeon is from Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Before we get to those responses, though, I just want to quickly go around the table. Everybody's favorite dungeon, and why is it the Water Temple? Crap, I was <laughs> going to make that joke. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't play the Water Temple this time around. I remember not having that much difficulty with the Water Temple. And then I remember oh, that this guy coming. Uh, but in. then, I, but oh. then I remember that the Shadow Link, Dark Link <laughs> battle is in the Water Temple, and it's just like, oh yeah. Huh. <laughs> uh, I think Forest Temple mm. might be my favorite one. Or, or Spirit Temple is pretty cool too. Mm. Nick, thoughts? I'm usually either like a, a grass or fire. I, okay, Pokemon terms, I always pick Charmander, right? I don't know why I'm making this comparison. But <laughs> I think in Zelda, I always lean more towards like the forest elements compared to the other zones. Um, so I, I think I'm leaning towards the forest temple. Um, uh, me, yeah. Yeah, anyway, I'm just going to go with forest temple. It's also where you get the bow, and the bow is such a... Uh, a key element of of Ocarina of Time and all the 3D Zeldas, the bow is kind of like your your big deal. Yeah, it's you finally your, become an go adult. To, your trusty companion. The bow. The bow. I really love. Uh, my favorite is the Shadow Temple. I'll talk more of that in a second. But I love the feeling when you first walk into Dodongo's Cavern when you get into that main room and it's like your it's like the rib cage kind of thing just all around it where there's like the big lava pit and the big dodongo head like the skull in there i think is just a great like it's a really cool feeling when you first walk into that room but my favorite is the shadow temple just gets a little bit creepy and now that like i'm a little bit older i kind of like dig that stuff a bit more than when i was a kid but i just think that there's a lot of it too that is very unique and it has some very like unique areas and mechanics and having to use the the eye to reveal certain things uh is a, is a great great mechanic uh that I, I thought was a lot of fun uh shadow temple also features the worst enemy in zelda games the wall master oh the wall master yes the thing the hand that drops down and grabs you the hand that drops down and once it grabs you you're whatever you were doing you're not doing that anymore <laughs> you're back at the start yeah <laughs> you gotta that eat. that's that's when you really learn the importance of rolling in a zelda game <laughs> I, I do I do also want to throw out a number of things because Spirit Temple does this, and I think getting to the Shadow Temple does this too. The, because of the time element, those are two dungeons where you have to do part as Kid mm -hmm. Link and part as Adult Link, and how they merge those two things together was really, really clever. Like you had to do this as this and this as that, and and just interesting. Yeah. You stuff, Stuff they did not do in Link to the Past with the Dark World, Light World stuff. Um, mm -hmm. At least not in the same way. Yeah, like the especially the... Because the Shadow Temple, you had to do the bottom of the well to unlock part of that as a child to unlock it in the future. And for the Spirit Temple, you actually had to like do part of the temple as a kid and then come back as an adult. And you also That also meant navigating the Gerudo Valley 
in two separate ways as an adult and as a child. So yeah. it really, it, they, they really did great things with that. Con- we barely touched on it, but just that whole concept of being able to go back and forth in time like that really allowed them to do some cool stuff. Even with a map that maybe wasn't as big as they planned. It's like, okay, well, we can have you do this area twice, but it's going to be different because you're a kid in one point and you're an adult in another. And it works. It does. It does. It works. We turned to you, audience, and asked, uh, what, what dungeon sticks out to you? Which one is your favorite? And let's go through some of those now, Nick. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jaime Polito, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, my apologies. Uh, I said, I remember how jarring it was when I first completed the Deku Tree. I was not expecting my actions to have that consequence. It set up the whole tone of the game for me. I would agree that when the Great Deku Tree died, I felt terrible. Because, <laughs> yeah, he knows he's going to die too, but he doesn't tell you until you get through right. it. That it you think you're going to brush with death as a You child. think you're going to uh, you're going to save him? Oh. You mean if I had left that giant spider in there, you were still going to die? Why did you make me do this, Deku Tree? (laughs) J.F. Morissette said, For me, it was the Spirit Temple. I liked that when you first enter it, it's a dead end. The music was so bombastic, it gave a feeling of greatness to the temple. We mentioned the music before. It's great music. And uh, former guest Kami Jace said, I'm going to go with the Shadow Temple. Uh, I'm a huge, huge sucker for use this item to reveal hidden slash disappearing things. And the Shadow Temple has so much of that. It's also somehow less jarring than the Forest or Water Temple. Was the Forest Temple jarring? I I mean, we always rag on the Water Temple, right? But uh, now suddenly I'm... No, go ahead. Forest forest Temple, you had to fight those Poes. Mm-hmm. And, oh, you had to, and you had to like beat them all in a slightly different way i think one of those one of the great bosses i think is the because you have the shadow ganon who's coming in and out of those paintings so you're like frantically trying to figure out which one he's going to come from i ah uh, yes and the the wonderful he throws an orb at you and you hit it back with the sword it's mm. set, setting you up for when you have to do that with the real ganondorf later I failed to beat Ganondorf. Uh, I went to the end of the game because I had that save file. Definitely tried. Definitely failed. Uh, it, it takes some practice. Oh, I because I, I I remembered I needed to hit him, and I kept hitting it back, and he'd go down. And it's like, well, why isn't this dude doing anything? And then I remembered, oh, I gotta use the light arrows. Yeah. But by the time I figured out that I had to use the light arrows, I'm already halfway down my my hearts, and I had fairies, but. And then I ran. I kept missing light arrows, so I had I ran out of magic, and I didn't have any magic potions, so I just had to restart the game. And I was like, I've done enough, Mister Mister Bragging about the Water Temple over here can't even defeat Ganondorf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. If I if I was thrown in the same situation, I would probably be the exact same. Rishi B, another former guest of ours, uh, said that the Water Temple is up there. Shout out to my homie Iron Boots. But actually, the one I frequently remember is the Shadow Temple because of how eerie the monsters and music was. When I was a Wii first playing it, I had to put the game down for a bit. I think I, I had a couple moments where I had to stop playing when I first played it, especially because oh, there's re-deads in there. They're going to scream at me. There's re-deads in there. There's like-likes in there, I think, which that the like-likes in Ocarina were, were weird. Were those, and, uh, the, were those the ones that would steal my shield? Yeah, they're the big, like, slug. Well, not slugs. They're like, 
like sea sea slug kind of things that would like take you in, grab you, and then spit you out and would take your shield yeah. unless you had a good enough shield that they couldn't replace easily. I hate those guys. And uh, another former guest, TV's Travis, said, I will forever remember the first time in the Great Deku Tree. It really is a great introduction dungeon. It's short, we talked about it now, but I remember also as a kid feeling the sense of it and, and how big it felt back then. And going through it now, it, it really is a great, like, okay, starter, here's what the game's going to be like for you. Our last one comes from Travis Bryant, who just says, wait, isn't the Water Temple the end of the game? That's when I quit playing. I'm sure <laughs> you're not the only one. I remember I had the guide, and the guide had a joke of, like, for the last time, raise the level. And uh, in, like, parentheses, it was like, everybody in our offices broke into a cheer when we discovered that. <laughs> that's funny Uh, so it sounds like the consensus is the shadow temple shadow uh, temple and deku tree memorable and deku tree for so but audience we want to know from you you can still let us know we're just not going to mention it on the show but if you want to be mentioned on the show and if you want to tell us what your favorite was from uh ocarina of time in general which we do want to hear about it you can let us know follow us on social media Facebook and Twitter. It is hit me one more pod. Also, we have Instagram now. We have an Instagram hit me one more pod there as well. Follow us and engage with us. We want to hear from you. Now, it is time for our moment of reflection. This is where we ask Is the game better staying in the Hall of Memory or is it worth visiting today? With this one, since there's still so much Zelda, there's so much Zelda to play, is this one? That would be worth it to move to the top of the list. Should people be like trying to clamor out and dig for it? Or is it better for us just to remember how great it was and play something that might play a little bit better, like maybe Link to the Past or Breath of the Wild? Uh, Drew, I'll turn it to you first. This is a question I have been trying to answer since starting to play this game, because so much of this game is wrapped up in nostalgia and muscle memory and, and all sorts of things that... I think that going back to it, yes. But if this is your first time, 3DS version. Mm. Or potentially another version that might be happening in a couple of months that we have seen rumors of, but nothing else. Fingers crossed on that one. Nick, what say you? It's, you know, I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to waffle uh, this time. I'm just going to say yes. I think it's still worth visiting and and it's, even the original one uh though yeah i mean maybe probably go with the 3ds version but just because you know it dep- i guess it depends on who i'm recommending it to though like uh, it's it's a i think it's a great starters like if you're trying to introduce someone to it i mean it might be say give them breath of the wild right just because it's more modern but as far as like what a 3d zelda can do because this sort of set the pace for what like the next several zelda games sort of were I think it's still worth visiting. The story's still compelling. The mechanics are still interesting. And I think at this point, even though there's complex moments, like if you're if we're saying that we're recommending this to adults, I think it's easy enough to pick up and and sort of solve your way through. The controls are a little janky. There's some things like that could be done differently. But I think as I was replaying it, my biggest thought was just like, if they did do a remake, like a remake, remake version of this and add in some maybe modern elements to it, like that's all that was really missing. And sure, give it like the updated cool graphics, but otherwise like it, there is a reason that 
stood the test of time. Is it the greatest Zelda game ever? I think that that's just a really hard. Um, you know, Drew has his opinions, of course. Um, but facts. Um, I have facts. Uh, sorry. I, let me rephrase that. Drew has his <laughs> facts. Um, uh, however, for uh, some of those who don't agree with facts, um, it's it, it's it really is hard to nail down. Um, so yes, I would still recommend it going to go into it knowing that it's it's not you know it's it's not Breath of the Wild, it's not modern, but it's still really charming and and worth giving a shot. I know Drew said that uh, if you're a first time player of it, go with a 3DS version. I'm going to say kind of blanket i think if you're going to revisit this game the 3ds version is the way to go it is going to look kind of the way you remember it you know has to have the slightly enhanced graphics the graphics then they're enhanced in the way that it fits with the original style really well it's not like oh here's a whole new face on everything it just makes everything look a little bit better plus the general quality of life improvements the biggest one being that you can speed up dialogue and don't have to to sit through all of it uh, as it goes so painfully slow by you. This game was revolutionary. We've talked about why it still today is fun to play. Definitely when I played it on the 3DS, I had such a blast with it. Revisiting it, not just for nostalgia purposes, but it was just, it was really great to play that I think if you are going to revisit it, that is the way to do it. But we want to know what you think listener do you still have your 64 plugged in at home are you playing it every weekend and think that's what everybody should be doing i don't know who these characters are that i create in our audience <laughs> like <laughs> the psychopath that only plays ocarina of time nonstop and is like listening to our show like they recommended playing a different game i'm going to give them a one star review don't do that five stars please but let us know your thoughts feelings if you absolutely hate Ocarina of Time, I'd actually be genuinely curious to hear why. And of course, if you're like Drew and think there's better ones, tell us which ones you think are better. Follow us on social. Go to hitmeonemoretime.com slash contact, and you can find all the ways to reach out to us, including email. Now this is the part where we say goodbye, and we ask our wonderful guest what they are up to, where people can find them. Drew, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. It was a blast. Uh, if you would like to find out some of the stuff that I am doing, The More You Nerd, that is the podcast that I've been doing for almost a decade uh, with my my co-hosts as we kind of go from topic to topic in the nerd world, whether it's uh, revisiting stuff from our childhood, which we did a little bit ago, uh, whether it's uh, uh, finding things that just maybe had a bad sequel. What are the worst sequels? Or right now we are watching all of season one of the 1990s TV show Forever Night and going <laughs> as in-depth as we can on that. It changes by by the every couple of months. We're doing something new, so come check us out there. And if you're into tabletop RPGs, I'm a member of the cast of Cosmic Crit, the Starfinder podcast. Uh, we have been going on for, for about four years now, and we are gearing up for one of our biggest years yet later on this year. CosmicCrit.com, TheMoreYouNerd.com. Thank you guys so much. Yep, Super cool shows. People should be checking those out. Nick, where can you be found? What are you up to? Trapped in the Water Temple. Um, you can also find me uh, on Instagram at palblamshazam underscore art. There's now two posts on there, Phil Rude. Um, 
And you can also find me on Twitter at Nick Share Mooksness. I'm not going to explain how to say, spell Share Mooksness this time, just to see. Uh, at Nick Share Mooksness on Twitter. And um, yeah, that's about it. Nick got real sassy in his plugs there. I get a little sassy sometimes. Not I'm suffering sorry. no sorry. fools. Sorry, Phil. I'm sorry. Yeah, he can take it. People want to follow me. That's at Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z. Twitter and Instagram. Find out what I am up to there. Listening audience, thank you so much for being here today. We do this show for you. We do this show because of you. Remember, you can't move forward if you're always looking back. We'll see you next time. Hey!